the future has arrived. As the world and humanity itself moves faster and faster into unimaginable possibilities, old institutions that built connection and shaped our sense of meaning are falling by the wayside. In their wake, profound questions about ethics, our purpose, and spirituality demand new answers. Join your host, Scott Mason, in Season 2 of the Purpose Highway Podcast. We will explore how these social changes will revolutionize our society. We will learn how they impact our own search for connection and meaning. And we will hear stories of influencers whose lives have had radical change from the inside. And found profound connection to others and themselves through a new definition of meaning. The future has arrived. Are you ready? When you're racing down the Purpose Highway, we want to make sure you're healthy and happy every step of the way. That's why we're proud to partner with It's NOLA, 21st century plant-based healthy granola snack bites made with real ingredients and audacious flavor. It's NOLA crafts small batch hand-rolled granola balls that are vegan, gluten-free, and naturally low in sugar. It's NOLA's delightful bites come in three flavors. Luscious cranberry coconut, sassy mango masala, and dark, decadent, chewy chocolate. It's NOLA is available to both individual customers and for wholesale accounts at itsnola.com. That's I-T-S-N-O-L-A dot com. Guests on this show are already enjoying this delicious snack. Check out It's NOLA's website for yourself and find out how good it is. Hello, everybody. It's Scott Mason revving up for another race down the Purpose Highway. Now, if you like what we're doing, be sure to subscribe and give us a thumbs up on YouTube or a positive review on Apple. In the meantime, sitting next to me today in the front seat is none other than Kim Brady. Kim is an entrepreneur, a speaker, a business coach, an author, an LGBTQ plus advocate, and a soccer coach. In fact, I think she was up late last night coaching some soccer. I don't know, but I I have a guess. (laughs) In any event, over the past 30 years, Kim has spoken in high schools, colleges, law enforcement agencies, and business development groups on topics as diverse as life after sports, leadership, team building, DEI, and LGBTQ plus issues, mental health, transition, and entrepreneurship. She helps her clients plan, organize, and identify a game plan for achieving their goals based on customized coaching. By uncovering blind spots and removing self-doubts, her clients and herself build a long-term relationship to navigate the rough waters of life and business ownership with Kim right by their side. Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for that intro. That was fantastic. Uh, thank you. 
I'm glad I got it all out and I didn't even trip once. Or if I did, I got over it. No, quick. you didn't trip at all. That was fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much. I feel great. So, I, I'm out of here now. You said it all. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah, yeah. This, this was nice. Bye. <laughs> this suddenly became a solo podcast. Oh, Kim, that was, those are the rough waters of life. Now we're going to talk, we're going to play a fun game that I love to play with my guests. And that is, the Olympian deity. Uh-huh. You navigating the rough waters of life reminds me of one of my favorite goddesses, by the way. People don't talk about her that much. But she was named Galini, and she was the goddess of calm seas. If you were facing a storm, you might make your sacrifice to Poseidon, the god of the sea, because mm-hmm. he was mean. But Galini was who you wanted to have come in his place. That being said... You are not totally Galini. You're someone a lot more powerful than that. Who are you, Kim? Athena. That's my Athena. that's my woman. She's 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 awesome. Yeah. Why does Athena speak to you? And is it true that Athena might be right around the screen somewhere? She might be hovering, I don't know, maybe over my shoulder or, or in, on your microwave. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to be tattooed on my arm soon. I love it. Yeah, she's going to be tattooed on my arm soon. And about, I want to say maybe five or six years ago, a friend of mine in Denver and I were speaking. And she said, you know, I've watched you grow your business. I've watched you go through all these changes. I had had skin cancer and was very sick for a Mm. period of time and had gone through all these things. And she said, you know, I'm going to start calling you courage. Mm. And I was like, why? And she's like, because you have the courage to go through anything and face it with just pure power, pure love, pure strategy, pure thinking, pure everything. Mm. And over time, she started calling me that. And I share that with people because Athena was a strategist. She wasn't yes. just <clears throat> she wasn't just someone who went to war and was all rage like Aries, right? Yes. She was yes. the one who had to think through things differently. And I think being a woman and being a lesbian and coming out and, and living my life out loud, as I like to say, and I want my clients to live their life out loud, that you have to have the courage to face the shit that most people don't want to face. And that's whatever it is in your life. It's whatever it is in my life. And so with building my my business coaching business, I have a goal of hitting a certain number of customers. And once I do that, I'm putting that tattoo on my arm. So just the courage to change, the courage to grow, the courage to tackle all of it. So yeah, that's that's Athena for me. And Athena is really interesting in light of your own story, as well as in light of some of the deeper symbology that is within what you just said. First of all, I love the fact that you contrasted Athena with the god Ares. For those who are not familiar with Ares, or Athena, really. Uh, Ares was the Greek god of war. Now, they had a goddess of war, but Ares just represented this hysterical, almost berserk-like fury, the love of bloodshed, almost mm-hmm. like a mob blood mentality. Lust, pure bloodlust, violence. Yeah. yeah. The Greeks hated him. Yeah. I mean, they recognized him, right. <laughs> but they hated him. Right. Athena, they felt differently about, mm-hmm. right? Yes. 
And you mentioned that she was a strategist. She was the goddess of wisdom. And I want to tie that into courage because there's a couple, there's a story that I like to share about the Greek gods and the role of Athena in particular that may speak to you. Okay. And that certainly may speak to the audience. Okay. Particularly in your role. So the Olympians displaced a prior group of gods called the Titans. Mm. And after they displaced the Titans, the Mother Earth herself, who was the mother of these Titans, was furious. And so she sent two monsters, one called Typhon and one called Echidna, to destroy the Olympians forever. And... Just to be exciting here, Typhon was like a, so tall, his head touched the sky and he had wings and he had like snake legs and fangs. He literally, his lava came out of his mouth. He was a horror show. <laughs> and he was so horrifying, as a matter of fact, that all of the gods turned into animals and hid. And Zeus himself fled to Egypt to get away from this because he, he just didn't know what to do. But Athena the goddess of wisdom and strategy and war, just war, called him on it, said, you are Zeus. You have the thunderbolt. You stand up and fight. And he did. <laughs> and he threw Typhon under a volcano. Or maybe destroyed Typhon. I think, well, Typhon was under a volcano and Echidna got banished somewhere. In any event, we all know the outcome of the story. Zeus is on Mount Olympus right. and Mother Earth just had to give up and shut up. <laughs> Kim, Athena kind of reminds me of a business coach. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Talk to me about your background and how that might have prepared you to be Athena for the Zeuses in the business world, or Zeusas if they're <laughs> female, that are in distress and afraid. I think there are, obviously there are a lot of business coaches, right? Like there are a lot of people who have reached into this coaching space, into consulting space, and we all come to the table with our experiences and our and our life story, right? And when I work with my clients, many of them have said, you're one of the only people that I know who's a business coach who's actually run and built a company and sold it. <laughs> and I think that is very important because that's not just the part of what makes me, in my opinion, a, a business coach that has a certain style, et cetera. But I have previous iterations like you do, right? Like yeah. I went to school, get good grades, do all the things, get a soccer scholarship, play soccer at Cal, fantastic program, best public institution in the world. I love where I went to college. And what do you do when you're a female athlete? You go back and you go to school, you get a career, you can't get paid mm -hmm. professionally. Mm -hmm. Now they're starting finally to pay women differently. But for me, I knew I had to go get a career and, and get a job. And so what do you do with a psych degree? With 20,000 other people, you go back and get more education, right? Yeah. And I had always thought that I wanted to be a psychologist growing up. I didn't want to be a teacher, which is what my mom was. My dad was an aerospace engineer. And so I knew I had to go to college. I knew I had to get um, a job. And so I was like, I'm going to be I'm going to be a psychologist. And, and so I pursued my master's degree, moved to Michigan, didn't know anybody. 
um, get my master's degree by age 25 and I'm a family therapist and I'm working with severely abused kids. I was not a couch therapist. Okay. I was in people's homes, working with law enforcement, working in drug houses, working in juvenile system, working in the schools. And I did that for like seven years. I did this path, this journey, this, everything I was supposed to do, be a good kid, do all those things. And at 29, I just, I I burned out. I was so exhausted trying to be the helper, helping everybody that I didn't make any money. I didn't succeed in financially supporting myself very well. And I was just burned out. And I just said, forget it. And my parents were like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I have a people degree. I don't want to live in Michigan anymore. I can't afford to move back to California. Denver sounds great. (laughs) I pack up my car, my cat, my best friend. We drive across the country and I land myself in Denver and I'm like, now what am I going to do? So again, this is the courage piece that comes up of the willingness to change, the willingness to pivot, the willingness to say, this is no longer suiting me and changing gears. And then I go into sales, start learning how to do sales and start working for various corporations. You and I have talked a little yeah. bit about the, the seven-year yeah. soul drive from corporations. And I yeah. ended up working for several companies. I was good at it. You know, I'm a, I'm a highly successful, highly focused person. And I was very good yeah. at doing what I did. But then I came home one day, visit my nephew in California. Hadn't seen him for a little while. He's 19. He was my eldest nephew at the time. And I was like, buddy, what do you want to do when you grow up? Right? He saw me do all these things. And he's like, Aunt Kim, you've supported me in everything I've done. I love you dearly, but you're miserable. And I don't know if I should really listen to you. And I was like, wow. Okay. Whoa. Okay. This is not good. I'm, I'm leading, yeah. my, leading my oh. nephew down a path that I've taken like everybody else. And I'm miserable. Why should he go along this path? And why should I yeah. continue along this path? Right. And so I had this massive aha moment walking along the ocean with my nephew and my best friend. And I went back to Denver. Three weeks later, I quit my job. No safety net, no nothing. And my boss was like, what are you going to do? And I go, not this. Just not this. And I left and I was like, well, maybe, you know, and I started thinking, maybe I'll own a coffee shop. My nephew wanted to be a chef. I love the vibe of Denver, but I wanted a California vibe, right? I love working in coffee shops and studying in coffee shops. And I love the live music and I love the buzz about people being around. And I am Italian and I love French and I've been to France and Europe and I love sitting, I just, the people watching, I love New York city. I love that stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I go to my financial planner with this grand idea and I'm like, I want to build a coffee shop. And she goes, no. And I'm like, Now what? What are you talking about? This is what I want to do. She goes, no, you don't. She goes, you want to move back home to California. You don't want to bring California to Denver. And that was advice, right? That was advice. And it was advice that someone said no. And that no, it was life altering. And I pivoted again and said, okay, I'm not going to do that. And I spent time figuring out how in the world I was going to build a company, not knowing what kind of company I was going to build. And so I became, I I literally was like, I sat down, there's a process to this. And I finally go, I'm going to build a cleaning company. It provides me all the things that I need to do to be able to get back home to California. I could still be a helper. I could provide jobs to others. I could not work in a corporate office and wear a business suit, which was a big deal. 
I could leverage my time and my money by having other people work with me. And I could start the company with low overhead because I didn't have a lot of money. And my nephew could come live with me because I lived in a a condo in Denver and I invited him to come live with me and I could help him with the job and do what he needed to do. So within three weeks of quitting my job and speaking with my nephew in 2010, I started a new company (laughs) and I got my first client in October of 2010. Fast forward to 2020, and I ended up scaling that business and selling it, and then COVID smashed the world shut. Mm -hmm. And people were like, now what are you going to do? This is chapter four. And I'm like, yeah. "Yeah." And they're like, well, you've been doing business coaching. You help everybody that you know build their small businesses. You've been doing this for so long. Why are you not getting paid to do this? And so I had a bunch of people give me the courage and push me to be that business mm-hmm. coach where I tell people I've been on both sides of the couch. I've okay. been on as a therapist and go to therapy. I've been in sales and business ownership on both sides yeah. of that. I know the pain, the struggle, the processes. I know how to sell it. I know how to hire employees, train employees, fire employees. I know how to run cash flow. And most business coaches don't know how to do that except for in their own business consulting business. And for yeah. me, I know that I come to the table with a totally different set of skills. And so that's why, you know, it's a long story to a short question to be able to answer. Why do I think that business coaching is now my path? It's just the process of culmination of all of it. But I'm glad you went into the detail there because there are things in there that go as to the central themes of this show. And so we're going to gradually unpack them. Okay. Uh, And if you hadn't said all of that, then there would have been nothing to unpack. So you just gave us all a a nice little Christmas gift or holiday gift or whatever it is. Exactly. (laughs) And I like bright wrapping paper that you can play around with and rip to shred. Oh, right. So let's start with a restatement of a couple of this show's underlying themes to clarify where the questions are going. It's my contention, and the data has backed this up, that over the past however many years, there has been a secret plague making Western society sick. (laughs) And it ain't the coronavirus. Actually, many people would say there's a lot of plagues. But the one I'm talking about that is a secret one is a plague of alienation and disconnect. People feeling disconnected from each other, people feeling disconnected from themselves, particularly with regards to a lot of issues like purpose and spirituality, Absolutely. which are which historically uh, there were institutions that helped them find that. And those institutions are still there. Sure. But a lot of people are those those circumstances and life changes occurred. People might need something a little bit uh, may still find themselves lost. Mm-hmm. And. You are talking about common tropes about how we can make an impact in society, particularly when you're talking about your early career, that people sometimes either mistakenly assume can cure that alienation or people are thinking about before they think about connection with who and what they are inside, and then suddenly find themselves in desperate situations. And in particular, with regards to that, I'm talking about the cultural value. Kim? What? It it pains me to say what I'm about to say, but I can relate to this part of your story just so deeply. Mm-hmm. 
uh, really speaks to me. I would argue perhaps it was the biggest mistake of my life. So I'll just share that out there with you and anyone watching or listening uh, with regards to achievement. Mm. Because achievement orientation, particularly in arenas like sports mm-hmm. or academics, titles, degrees can take us exactly where you're going mm-hmm. at the expense of purpose. Yep. And so talk to me a little bit about how, look, as a therapist doing the sort of social services work that you did, you were doing work that was purposeful. Sure. But it achieved your your achievement mentality, mm-hmm. but I'm sensing that it wasn't necessarily your purpose or connected to your spirituality. Am I understanding you correctly? I am very goal-oriented. I think that the achievement piece that you just touched on is something that we struggle with as athletes where we're always chasing the next championship, the next goal, the next grade, next whatever. I was a straight-A student, Mm -hmm. right? I got a job at 14. I was highly achieving. And so being able to go, oh, well, I got my master's degree at 25. Check. I got this at, you know, been working since this, been working since this. Um, Being able to help this client, being able to help this client. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how well I work in that environment for someone else's success. It, the success of each person is up to them with them, with the tools that they have. So forgetting the process, mm-hmm. life is about living. It's not about the destination. Mm-hmm. And we do this thing called life with connection with others. We don't live in a vacuum. So what I was missing in these processes of change, which is, important to understand that we are constantly evolving. And in this process of change was accepting the fact that I wasn't satisfied in the chasing of the goals and the quotas and the achievement when I went into the sales realm. What Mm -hmm. I wanted and craved the most, and this is the piece in, in the books that I've been involved with, in talking with the kids that I coach, in working with my clients, it's Why are you doing what you're doing? It's always related to people. It's never related to money. That's not the goal. It's people. If you're in business, it's about people. If you're in sport, it's about people. If you're an attorney, it better be about you and people because everything is about people. And it is the connection. To me, the purpose in life is to be connected and to love each other. It's very simple. But how we go about it and, and these drivers... These these random drivers that we say that we're chasing all the time, the lifestyle Mm. chase that people do, they want this car and they want to catch up with the Joneses and they want to do all these things. I couldn't care less. I wanted to come home. I wanted to walk my talk with my nephew and I Mm. wanted to be by the ocean. I hate being cold. (laughs) I didn't want to be in the snow anymore. Very, very simple purpose. Right. But my impact on others and living very authentically has always been important to me. And when I felt that I wasn't listening to my path or my journey anymore was when I was getting stuck, was when I was so exhausted emotionally. That's why I left each of those careers because I was done giving everything I could in that environment. I had to shut those doors and go find something else to still have that connection somewhere else. How can someone who's hearing this, though, turn to a place where they can say, okay, this is what my particular purpose is. 
they may hear you and they may say, I could never be this much of a go-getter. I, I just don't have that drive. I want to fulfill my purpose, but I could never just leave a job without a safety net. I don't and, really and encourage in. people to do that. However, <laughs> however, what 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 have we just found with the pandemic? People lost their jobs instantaneously. Sometimes it's not in your control, but how you respond is in your control. The mindset that you have is in your control. If you consistently, and it's not, you know, funky, positive psychology, whatever juju stuff. If you don't believe that you're going to do something, you won't. So if someone is going to sit there and say, I can't do that, you're correct. You can't. But if you shift the mindset and say, well, how can I? How can I get to where I want to be? How can I find my purpose again? How can I fulfill my life in a way that makes me feel better about what I'm doing and who I am and how I'm living my purpose? Live your dash. We're born and we're dead. That dash in the middle mm. is what life is about. So wow. it doesn't matter, you know, like for me to, to change gears, I spoke with someone the other day and, and she's like, man, she's like, you throw out stuff all the time. Like, and I talk really quickly, sorry, but oh. I was like, you know, my financial advisor, when she said no to the coffee shop, she taught me to slow down in order to speed up. No. I'm a soccer player. I do things in sprints. I go all out and then I walk. Soccer is a sprinting, walking sport. We run six to 10 miles a match and it's all sprints. It's power. It's short bursts. That's how I live my life. I go all in and then I'm exhausted and then I have to replenish. But that may not be how other people do it. Right. And to use the analogy with the Olympians and marathon and everything else. Yeah. Right. You know, life is a marathon. And so you don't have to find your purpose tomorrow. You don't have to find what that is. I think it's bullshit to search for just a purpose. I think my purpose is just to exist and be the best Kim I know how to be. And, you know, I happen to be doing it in business coaching right now because I freaking love watching people succeed. I mean, that just fills me up. So that's, that's, you know, watching my nephew succeed, watching my clients succeed. Yeah. In passing, you mentioned something that I want to touch on briefly. Okay. Because I'm hearing that you have a sensitivity to this particular issue that a lot of people have. Mm -hmm. And that is that in the coaching space in particular, whether it's business coaching, mindset coaching, manifesting coaching, mm -hmm. All the success coaching become, you know, tomorrow's next disco diva coaching, whatever right. there might be. Right. Right. There is a lot of this talk, uh, particularly around mindset right. and with regards to setting goals or or shifting how we operate and, and how we connect to who and what we are inside that has this veneer of woo woo. Right. That's hard to take seriously. Oh, well, I think that it's because you're afraid of and then some things come out. Or if you put it out there, magical things will happen. You write, I, I'm going to make a million dollars. Whoa, 10 months later, you got a million dollar check. And by the way, I got to say, I've been writing that million dollar check on my on my cabinet here for 15 years. It's on my yeah. vision board, sure. Well, let, let, tell me, uh, you tell me when you get that million dollars, all that writing that million dollars, it ain't come yet. No. It needs to hurry up. That's, that's, How do you respond to people that might be saying that to you? I like the science behind neuropathways in brains. I studied psychology. This is a this is actual true research of how you can re 
grow nerves in your brain and neurons in your brain by how you speak to yourself. It's powerful, powerful stuff to understand the neuropsychology behind why affirmations work and get you to move forward and why certain verbiage and and how Mm. you shift what you say. I work with kids. I've always worked with kids. And it's so heartbreaking when they look you in the eye and say they think they're ugly or horrible or bad. And they and they say these things with every ounce of truth in them. They believe those things about themselves. And I spend time sitting with them and finding the good things, the little things, the uncovering of the blind spots to say, I don't see you that way. So it's not just about the, the, the happy juju, you know, throwing it out there and you got to do the work. God gave you a brain and two feet, gave you hands. If you, you know, that kind of thing. So it really is doing the work, but it starts with how you talk with yourself and how you say things to yourself. No one's going to dangle the million dollars in front of you just because you're cute. You have to do the work. And that's where, that's where that when you say there's a sensitivity to it, it is because I built a business over 10 years. It's not about being, you know, an expert, et cetera. It's about doing the work. It's the discipline. It's the daily tasks and, and then going, okay, sweet. I'm successful in that moment and doing that 1% change, that 1% change, that 1% change and getting to where you want to be. And there is no destination. It's a journey. It truly is. Yet there is, um, going back to the story of, that you mentioned earlier about the kids who you coach and you know, say these have this they say basically negative. things about themselves. It's heart-wrenching. How do you teach them to which which of these things might be myths that are total BS and which might have a grain of truth. And I'm going to give a dramatic story. This is not something I've shared publicly before. So thank you for pulling this one out of me. <laughs> but I think it may either break your heart or it may give some good advice. No one would argue. I Anyone who knew me in high school will tell you. I was not a pretty young child. <laughs> And I was depressed because I wanted to date girls. What was I thinking about that? That's a whole other story. I'd rather date girls. That's my job. Yeah. yeah, You stole them all from me. No, I didn't. (laughs) I was not afraid of my own shadow in high school. (laughs) I wanted to date them and none of them were interested. So I was seeing a therapist at the time and he said, Scott, this is what you do. When you're ugly, you date the ugly girls. That's how you get a date. How do you think all these ugly, other ugly people are, are getting dates? They're dating other ugly people. That's what you need to do. You're, you're going after the pretty girls. Now, there are a couple of ways of interpreting that. I will say, I started to go after some more ugly people. And that, that little piece of advice actually did work. They were so happy to have someone paying attention. But that being said, perhaps... It was true. I just needed to accept that that's what I was. I was a homely little boy. And so I needed to adapt to the circumstances to what I was given and then succeed on the terms that I had. Or I could say that was a horrible counselor who was telling me some BS and I should have dis. And I sense, by the way, don't I don't want anyone feeling bad for me. I, I've dislodged that, to, that toxic myth. I think I'm pretty hot, (laughs) but but perhaps, right? And and maybe that's what I should have done all along. How do you know the difference there? 
And what do you tell clients, right? Like they're not a math genius. Well, is that just you telling yourself that or are you just, you can't add? Well, I mean, if, if someone, I, I love, I love the whole thing about, you know, if you tell a fish to ride a bicycle, it will always feel like it's a failure because fish don't have the ability to ride a bike. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but fish know how to swim. So it really is, it really is tapping into the strengths of a person and paying fucking attention to who they are as people. And it, I mean, yeah, I kind of want to throat punch the therapist who did that to you, but it's like, cause, cause defining ugly. And def- I mean, my kids say these things, they say these things about themselves and they say these things as if they're real. Now, mm-hmm. some of the kids may have a dream to go play competitively and play in college and things like that. And so you have to, there is a sense of realism that you have to impart in them, but you know, you're not, and this is identity stuff. So like I am an athlete, truly I am an athlete. That's identity, Mm -hmm. right? I play a sport is a behavior. So when they say Mm -hmm. things and own identity statements, let's make those identity statements to be positive and powerful. I am a good person. I am an athlete. I am a business coach. I am a sister. I am a good friend, right? Purposeful identity identifiers, right? Of I am. Then when it comes to behaviors, how do you manifest those choices to be those things? How do you show that you're a good friend? Well, I show up on time. I'm there when a friend needs me. I make phone calls. I tell people that I love them. I I make sure that I follow through with what I say that I'm going to do. So there's behaviors that are associated with an identity. So in order to unpack some of these difficulties, when people think negatively about themselves, is it an identity of I'm not a good person? And then what are the behaviors that they're doing that reinforce the I'm not a good person? And if you can break up that interrupt of going, well, wait, you're a good person. I see that you are kind to this person. I see that you take care of your family. I see that you go to work and you work your your butt off at this job. And, you know, you can find those things and you unpack those things. And it doesn't matter whether someone's a kid or someone's an adult. We all have these internal pieces where we don't like ourselves in some format or that we're not satisfied with how we're behaving. It's really unpacking the identities that we hold on to that that really show how we walk in this world. And that's what you try to unpack. So, you know, in the business coaching space or in the life coaching space or mindset coaching or whatever, it's really like, well, what is it that you really believe? And uncovering some of those things. And if you can get to that core, what do you really believe? Then how can you help them get to that identity that they want, living a purposeful life, being passionate about what they do, how they walk in this world, right? It doesn't matter to me what someone wants to do. I want them to live up to their own expectations. I worked in government for a long time. And then I worked for a very traditional nonprofit after that for a while. Kind of a bad fit. I don't know what I was thinking. You're a non-traditional but, soul. I don't know how you can do that. Uh, yeah, it, it was a problem. Yeah. By the way, thank you for that little that little beautiful jewel. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so, but in any event, you would have people that would endure all sorts of abuse, grinding, soul-sucking, oppressive jobs, uh, terrible bosses, humiliations, uh, uh, working conditions, 
I, I'll never forget, I my first government job, there was a, they had this, this open space office where they had two desks facing each other. And one, and this woman would eat her breakfast there, and she had cereal, box cereal, oh, and French, French, French she went, yeah, yeah, totally. I think it was Fruit Loops. <laughs> <laughs> but in any event, she left that cereal box open one day when she went to the bathroom, and the woman who was in the desk um, that was facing hers was still there writing, and a rat crawled up. It went into the Fruit Loop box, started eating, then left, and the woman that was in the desk didn't say anything. <laughs> He just went and then went back to work. Oh, my God. Right. That's how much people were willing to endure. Kim, how is this? How, why am I telling you all? I don't know, but that's a hard story. <laughs> in any event, in any event, people like that, the idea of making these radical career changes to connect with who they are inside might be unimaginable. They might look at someone you. They might say, you're Athena. You have that courage. How can I get it? I don't know. Borrow I've it. worked in the city for 20 years. Borrow well, I, can I make belief it? in you. That's what I tell my kiddos all the time. Borrow my belief in you. Mm. Right? Because if you want to stay miserable, you will stay miserable. I was choosing to stay miserable in certain periods of my life because I thought I needed to settle for that shit. You know, whether I stayed in an abusive relationship, whether I stayed with an abusive boss in a company that I worked in for too long, you know, things like that. Like we have a choice. We're not a tree. We're not rooted anywhere. You know, mm -hmm. get up and move, shake things around. Doesn't have to be. I mean, just changing your workspace cr changes your creative moments, right? You know, like we case, had to change the entire world and talk to each other through computer screens for mm -hmm. the past two and a half years, right? And we mm -hmm. aren't connecting the way that we need to. I tell my kiddos to put their phones away. They're not functioning. The, my seniors who were graduating, the last time they had a regular class was their freshman year. That's how Come much on. they're missing. Yes, because of, of the things that happened where they yeah. had to learn through school. I have kids that are have eating disorders. I have kids that don't know how to make friends. I have kids that that literally are so they're functioning at a 13, 14 year old level when they're 18 and they're about to go into college and they can't they haven't even learned how to talk to their teachers. Their parents are getting divorces. We we are in a collective mental health fuckery right now. And I hope you don't mind me swearing, but that is really the 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 issue. We are a collective. We are collective and need to be connected. And so being able to borrow someone else's belief in you in a moment, even in a game or like, you know, hey, you might want to let the lady know that a rat just ate her Fruit Loops, dude. Like, let's, let's be a little <laughs> human, you know, like, don't just sit there and go right back to work thinking that that's normal. Right? <laughs> like, that's just kind of like, there's a disconnect there of, of, the human connection, right? Like she may annoy the shit out of you because she chomped on her Fruit Loops all day long, but don't let her eat feces from a rat that just mowed her Fruit Loops on the desk. You know, like can we find a little bit of coming closer, right? Like I think, you know, and I, and I like that you're laughing because I, I these are really heavy themes, but they're really important to find humor in them. And I don't want to I don't want to to make light of people's pain, right? Because people are in pain especially when they need to put a roof over their head and they're like, I don't know how to change this. I chose 
to build a cleaning company by myself. I did it for a year and a half. And I would tell people, I'm the most highly educated toilet bowl cleaner you're ever going to find. I'm <laughs> building a business. I'm a year away from a PhD and it does not bother me to take care of someone else's toilet. You know why? Because we all pee, we all poop, we all need four walls around us. We all need to be safe. So if we create an environment where I'm providing to others, I'm helping others live their best life and I'm building mine at the same time, it's it's take away the ego. Let it go. I made more money building cleaning company and providing food and, and fed eight families, the employees that I have more than I could have ever done being a sales rep, earning certain things, wearing a business suit in corporate America. So it's not about those symbols. It's about who are you and who are you willing to be? It really is a challenge on, on those. Who do you want to be? If you're not happy, how do you want to change that? And, it, and, and how can you find people to help you change that? Yeah. That's, the, that's, that's the, that little piece. I was never afraid to ask for help. People might see that, oh, you're courageous or, oh, you did all this stuff. I don't get anywhere without other people. I hired business coaches. I hired financial planners. I hired attorneys. I hired CPAs. I surrounded myself with high level people who could teach me how to build my company. I didn't do it by myself. I did the work, but I asked for help. And I think that's the piece that's most powerful. You have to be willing to, to say, can you help me? And then be willing to learn and implement. And that is really hard, particularly for people that may have achieved a certain level of success in these large organizational sure. structures. Uh, right. Everything is there are so many egos that you're dealing with right. day to day. And then you cannot necessarily see the the world that you're living in for the narrow slice of whatever it is that that you actually are operating in. So your ego uh, becomes massive and right. your willingness to admit that sort of deficiency. Well, it, it's maladaptive or at least to some minds maladaptive sure. in that corporate environment. So you're not, right, like, am I going to admit that everything I've worked for and everything that I've thought I've achieved, going back to that theme again, put that at risk um, by admitting, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know how to make a change. I'm afraid to get another job. People are really afraid to be beginners again. But you have to start from, the, you're starting from experience. You're not a newborn baby who needs to be fully taken care of. You know how to wipe your own butt, right? So. Oh, do I? I don't know. I would hope. But like, <laughs> I can't, I can't function unless I'm learning something new or meeting new people. That's where our creativity resides, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm an avid learner. I love reading. I love all kinds of, of people. Obviously, look what I studied. Everything that I've done is always, there are these central themes. So like if someone says, I don't know how to begin again, what are the central themes that you really enjoyed in all of these career paths that you've had, yeah. right? So for me, it was like, I, I'm always a helper, always. That has never wavered. I just have a different job title, right? I've always been a lover of sport. I love working with kids. I've never not worked with kids in some format, right? So Finding those central themes of who you are and your core values, if you're not fun f functioning from your core values and you rest your head at night and you're not okay with that, it's up to you to look in the mirror and say, I'm not happy with how I'm living my life. I can't change someone's journey, but I can certainly help them say, what are your core values? And let's tap into that a little bit. And then you never know. I had no idea I was going to build a cleaning company, you know, but someone told me, no, she knew me well enough to say, Kim. I want you to really think this out. 
Like, who are you? What are your core values? You want to move home to California. How are you going to create a vehicle that does that? It totally reached, like changed the my trajectory, right? That person told me, no, be willing to ask for help and be willing to listen to the advice they give you because and not just other people's opinions. Like if someone's not paying your bills, or really understands who you are. Don't listen to their opinion, but yeah. listen to someone's opinion who knows you, who's like, I really see a, something in you. I think this is something you should explore. And then that allows you to do some of that creative courage. You know, I think with your allegories that you're using with Greek mythology, if you think about the the, the ego and the driver and the Aries side of just blowing shit up. Right. And right. then if you're looking at the Athena, it is the strategy. It is the yeah, it's big. It's large. It's courageous. It's powerful. But there's also sitting in it for a moment and thinking and surrounding yourself with the right people and the right tools and that you can learn you're capable of learning. Once you stop learning, you're dead. So yeah. it, being willing to say, hmm, I have some skill sets. I don't know how to do this. I can learn how to do this. And that will get me out of where I am. That's, that's this shift. That's the mindset shift that I talk about a lot. What's fascinating is that I'm hearing Athena herself <laughs> be willing to accept wisdom. Oh, you're kind. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you. Kim, there's no way after this conversation that people are not going to want to find out more about you're so what kind. you're doing, how they can work with you, where <laughs> they can just just dive into and pull some of that wisdom from Athena. And 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 it's, again, I, I'm, I'm all about gossip today. Actually, I think gossip is bad. Unless it's good. <laughs> Good gossip. good gossip. And the good gossip I heard is that there's a book that you have. Yes. Is that gossip true? Yes. So my book is called Get Stuck In, Lessons oh. from the Pitch to Build Your Business. So I love it. I This is a soccer phrase, okay? It's blue and gold for my college, by the way. Oh. I, I bleed blue. I don't bleed, I don't bleed red. I bleed blue and gold, okay? Um, but Get Stuck In is all about my journey of how I built my company and how I came into building that company, who I am, the story of my nephew, the story of it even talks about courage, the nickname being given to me, ta talking about me having tears in my martini, not knowing how I'm going to revamp myself, not realizing the impact I was making on people. And my friends were like, you need to write a book. You, you're crazy if you don't write a book. And so I started this in June, finished it, finished the manuscript in three months last year. And then it just now is published. And as you can see, these are some of my pre-orders that people were ordering that I have to mail out. So I'm thrilled to have it. It's available on Amazon. And I'll share a little bit. Every chapter starts with a quote. Um, and I'll just give you a little first sneak peek here. So business ownership is like jumping off a cliff and building a parachute on the way down. <laughs> and that was by Reed Hoffman, the co-founder of LinkedIn. And so it's the story of how in the world did this person who was on this path completely shift gears and build a business without ever taking a business class. It is that willingness to be a beginner and it's the willingness to say, hey, I want to help other people. So my book is out and available on Amazon. Yeah, I'm thrilled. 
I absolutely love it. And for anyone watching or listening, go to the homepage for this podcast, particularly Kim's page for her episode, because we will also include links to her website and everything else that you need to do, her LinkedIn page, all those things that you need to do in order to get more Kim, 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 Kim. <laughs> so, I love it. Kim, it's been great taking a ride with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed being here with you. It was a blast. Now, for everyone tuning in, if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review on Apple or a comment on YouTube. And I shall see you next time for another trip down the Purpose Highway. When you're racing down the Purpose Highway, we want to make sure you're healthy and happy every step of the way. That's why we're proud to partner with It's NOLA, 21st century plant-based healthy granola snack bites made with real ingredients and audacious flavor. It's NOLA crafts small batch hand-rolled granola balls that are vegan, gluten-free, and naturally low in sugar. It's NOLA's delightful bites come in three flavors. Luscious cranberry coconut, sassy mango masala, and dark, decadent, chewy chocolate. It's NOLA is available to both individual customers and for wholesale accounts at itsnola.com. That's I-T-S-N-O-L-A dot com. Guests on this show are already enjoying this delicious snack. Check out It's NOLA's website for yourself and find out how good it is.